Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, David Haw, Bruce Line here until 11 o'clock, talking baseball. And please now to go out to our guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find the Cubs' vice president of player development, Jared Banner, who joins us this morning. Good morning, Jared. How are you? Morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we have a lot to discuss because this is a big time for minor league players in, in in baseball organizations we can we don't need to discuss and really can't with you the major league uh, uh, dilemma but this is a big week for the cubs how would you put into context what uh, the next week will bring for the prospects in your organization yeah it's an exciting time for all of us um with the past couple of years being being tough at the minor league level just because of COVID and a lot of the restrictions and the shortened seasons, et cetera. Um, you know, it's great to get the guys in the camp under the sunshine and uh, back out on the field again. Jared, uh, first of all, David and I are very pleased to have you on. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, talk a little bit about uh, the next step, which is a, a mini camp for you guys starting next week. And maybe some of the players that, uh, that uh, Cub fans can uh, – Look forward to hearing about uh, being in a little bit early, take advantage of this situation. Yeah, so we, we kind of look at this like the uh, it's, it's the preseason to the preseason, in, in a sense. So we bring in a lot of the young players. Uh, we have player plan goals with each of them um, that we uh, outline and, and we basically attack during this two-week period, right? Whether that's an S&C goal, so strength conditioning, whether that's a fundamental skill, getting them more on plane with their swing or adding velocity or command or whatever it may be. Uh, we get on the field and we attack that with a lot of one-on-one coaching and training. So Jared, your own experience, obviously you played baseball at Amherst college. One of the alums there was Ben Sherrington. You befriended him and obviously came up through the Red Sox organization. You have quite the jewelry collection already before your 40th birthday. You've got three world series rings, not a bad thing to bring to Chicago, spend some time with the Mets how would, uh, how would you describe your journey to this point and, uh, and what appealed to you about the Cubs besides just Jed Hoyer, a guy that you knew well, being at the top? Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate uh, to work with some really impressive people in my career and learn from them. Uh, Jed being one. Jed was the assistant GM in Boston when I interned back in, in 2007. Theo was obviously there at that time, too. Ben Sherrington, another guy you named. Um, and there are a slew of others. Dave Dombrowski was another Hall of Fame GM that I had the privilege of, of working for and learning from. Mike Hazen, who's general manager now, Allard Baird, so on and so forth. So I consider myself very, very fortunate. Um, with, with that being said, the Cubs have done a lot of winning here um, but before my my arrival, and they do a lot of great things. And I've learned a lot here in the last year that I've that I've been around. So um, I think it's just a it's a great match. It's a First-class organization, really bright, smart people, forward-thinking, very creative and, and innovative, and I'm uh, excited to be able to add something to that. 
Jared, uh, let's take a look at some of your players here. Um, there's a lot of excitement out there about the player that was acquired in the Javier Baez trade last summer. His name is Pete Crow Armstrong. Tell, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, his uh, recovery from a shoulder uh, uh, injury and surgery and where he stands right now going into spring training. Yeah, well, right, right now he's full go. He missed uh, the vast majority of last season with that shoulder injury and a, a base running mishap. Um, but he's full go right now. He looks great. Um, and, and the best, and I, I actually, we were together in New York as well. So we have a, a longstanding relationship. He's a, he's an impressive young guy on and off the field. And, um, to be, to be quite candid with you guys, I don't like, I don't like making major proclamations, but, um, you know, he's one of the best center fielders I've ever seen in my career. Um, and we, we drafted a pretty good one in Boston in 2011, uh, from the university of South Carolina. And this is, he's probably the best center fielder I've seen since then. Wow. Yeah, that's really something. And a lot of people like that. That will whet the appetite of Cubs fans who are discouraged by the lockout talk. And nothing, nothing appeals to to a baseball fan like the like potential and like the possibility of a prospect like him. And and you look around your your system, and there's there's others. And there's I want to ask you about the Hernandez brothers. Obviously, Christian Hernandez has been in the organization a month ago uh, during the international signing period. Alexei was signed. Where are they in their development, and is there any possibility of them getting on the same clock? Because it would be so much fun to have them, you know, playing alongside each other at Wrigley Field. Well, you know, I I, I hate to think too far into the future uh, in terms of different <laughs> clocks, but we're we're excited about them both. Christian spent some time here at our complex this off season, and um, he's arriving back today for for mini camp. Really excited about him. Um, impressive young player, great projectable body. He's a shortstop, obviously a premium position, uh, and he can hit the ball hard in a long way. So we're we're really excited about him. And uh, you know, obviously his, his his little brother's a little bit more new to the organization. Um, but with that being said, uh, if he has the, the, the genes like his brother does, um, we'll be in pretty good shape. Jared, when you look at uh, Jordan Hicks, your number one pick in the uh, June draft last year. Uh, a lot of people at that time were very encouraged about the maturity of the individual, both as a pitcher and as as a person. Where do you project that and, and all of that when it comes into uh, him starting out this year and the projectability of him uh, actually making a, a short stay in the minor leagues and progressing to Clark and Addison? Yeah, with, with Wicks, like you said, he is a very advanced college pitcher, did a lot of great things um, you know, at Kansas State. But with, with that being said, the, the players tend to tell us what they're ready for with their performance, right? So um, we do like to challenge guys, but ultimately uh, how they go out on the field and, and perform, and um, th- that's what's going what's gonna to tell the story. We're not interested in holding anybody back, right? Um, we want to find as many great players as we can, so – uh, he'll ultimately dictate his timeline and we'll be here every step of the way to provide him with whatever he needs to, uh, to reach his potential. Talking with Jared Banner, the Cubs vice president of player development here inside the clubhouse, Chicago sports radio, six seventy. the score, David Haw and Bruce Levine, Jared, Chicago, very curious about the future and in, in the uh, progression of Ed Howard, the shortstop who obviously uh, we know well in terms of watching him grow up here. Uh, what is expected, and where will he begin uh, this uh, this season? 
Well, it's it's hard to to say exactly where 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 he'll begin. Uh, we won't really talk through that too much until you know the later in camp. But but with that being said, Ed spent uh, the entire off season here in Arizona at our complex, working with our strength coaches, working with our hitting staff here. Um, I you know I view him as a guy with all the potential in the world. His tools are are really incredible. He's such a premium athlete, great head on his shoulders, hardworking guy. Um, I expect him to have a, a really big year this year. The one pitcher that stood out to me from the Arizona Fall League was uh, Caleb Killian. Uh, he's a little bit older than a lot of uh, people would call a prospect, but at 25, uh, he was really impressive uh, uh, in, in the uh, championship game at the Arizona Fall League. Where do you see his progress right now, and uh, what, is, what does Killian have to work on to, sh- to show you that he's major league ready? You know, in many ways, he just has to keep doing doing what he's doing, right? Ever since he, he joined the organization, uh, he's he's looked great. Um, his stuff is is really impressive. He can change speeds. He can locate. Uh, he, you know, he throws hard. He's a he's a physical specimen. He's really done a great job, um, you know, w- with his body. So uh, he's going to be challenged this year to come out and do it over the course of a of another full season. And um, you know, he, he's an older upper level guy. He'll have every chance to uh, to help out if uh, if he's needed. Jared, there are some of us in Chicago, uh, present company included, who look at Brennan Davis and think, okay, he can't get here soon enough. And you wonder uh, about accelerating his his progression and maybe even opening day whenever that is. Uh, I know you can't project that, but when you look at Brennan Davis, we've had him as a guest on this program. We've talked to him and he has, a, you know, that the maturity stands out. Just the fact that he's major league ready from that standpoint, it seems. How would you assess his overall game and where he is in his progress? Yeah, I think he. I think he looks great. I think he's getting he's getting closer and closer. We're obviously going to. Uh, we're not going to rush him by, by any means, but uh, he made a really big impression in AAA at the end of last season. Um, and he he does everything we we ask him to do. And and when he goes out on the field, um, you know, it's, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take a, a scout's eye. You know, you can bring anyone off the street. You watch Brendan Davis, and, and you can tell he's, uh, you know, he has a ton of potential, and uh, and he's a really good baseball player. So, um, in terms of timeline, it's it's always hard to hard to tell, but um, we see him as a major part of our future. Jared, uh, in a bigger picture uh, question, how did how did 2020 impact uh, the progress of not just your minor leaguers, but all minor leaguers? Is the fact that. Uh, they just didn't play, and uh, a few of them were able to be at uh, at an alternate site. But it was a whole year of retardation for minor league players. What, what impact has that had on the game? Uh, maybe in particular on on pitchers and uh, pitchers' arms and pitchers' innings. I'd say one of the biggest impacts is just age. So we. All throughout, you know, history in baseball, you kind of evaluate guys on their age compared to what level they're at. And we kind of have to adjust that because of the missed season, right? So there are a lot of guys who um, are just in in a different place than they might be otherwise if that season hadn't been missed. So we have to be very conscious of that. And then, like you said, with the pitchers um, and their arms and, you know, missing that season, we, we tried to do as much as we could. I know Craig Breslow does a, does a great job with our pitching department trying to keep guys and their arms moving and, and still throwing bullpens, still staying in communication. 
But, uh, of course, there's nothing to simulate a, a real full season of, of baseball. So, um, you know, we're still figuring it out, as, as you know, everyone is when it comes to uh, the past few years. But um, we're, we're excited about what we have, what we have right now. Jared, I wonder if you could provide some clarity and a little insight here in a question that I've had regarding spring training and obviously the lockout. I'm not asking for specifics, but when you look at the 40-man rosters and players and prospects on those 40-man rosters being unable to report to spring training because of the work stoppage, does that put some prospects behind others who aren't limited or prevented from being able to report sooner rather than later? And, and is that a concern of players who do what, or of, of guys who do what you do? Well, our focus is on the guys that are, that are here right now. Um, it's, it's a tough situation all around. I think, um, you know, obviously I can't, I can't speak too much on that, but our focus is on what we can control and what we can control is the guys that are, that are in camp and, and making them better every day. So that's our, that's our only focus. In, in closing with you, and David and I really appreciate your time and, and, and this chance to get to speak to you. It's, it's been uh, really good. Uh, where are we at with Braylon Marquez, uh, a guy that, you know, was the bright star of the organization on his way to the major leagues and then came up with a, an arm injury? Where, where is he at? What's the projections for him and, uh, and in 2022 as far as being able to go bore? So I can't talk about him. He's a he's a forty man roster player. Oh, that's right. You know, I'm I apologize for that. I apologize for that. No, no I just uh, I missed the I missed the boat no, on that I one. Understand. Yeah, uh, I understand. I understand. Yeah, thanks. You want to ask about? <laughs> uh, there's a ton of them. I I would really I would really yeah, like to it. know. <laughs> I'd really like to know uh, something about a, a a kid by the name of Torinos and the power that you see. And him coming along, I, I I know the projections are are big. He's he's probably uh, a couple years away. Talk to us a little bit about him. You are referring to James Ferrantos, our second round pick from last right. year? Right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, he's um, you know, he's a he's a really impressive young player. He had a great uh, start to his professional career down in the ACL last year. Uh, right, really came into his own. Uh, he he has a, a beautiful right-handed swing. It's you know, one of the best-looking right-handed swings that, that we have, and we have high high hopes and expectations for him. But, um, you know, right now we're just focusing on he's he's here and we're just trying to get better every single day, um, you know, using our, our technology, our, our coaching staff, you know, nutrition, everything. Um, we're, we're just trying to uh, make the most out of, out of all of these guys, including James. You know, I asked you about the Hernandez brothers, but that kind of lost in the international signings last month, Aiden Sanchez. Seems like a promising prospect. What can you tell us about him? I'm sorry, who was that you mentioned? Aiden Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can't speak too much on him. I haven't um, seen him directly yet, uh, but I've heard, I've heard great things about him. Our international staff does a great job. So, you know, when Louis O'Hawa and, uh, and Alex Suarez um, make a signing like that, we are um, always just naturally excited and, you know, watch some video and, Really looking forward to, to bringing him into the complex at some point. Jared, we appreciate you joining us today, and uh, we look forward to many, many more times you join us in Inside the Clubhouse. Continued best of luck, and I know uh, everybody is excited to be able to watch uh, some players and get some reports on players starting next week in your mini camp. So all the best of luck to you and, uh, and your people there, and 
look forward to seeing you in spring training sometime soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Happy to come on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jared. Jared Banner, the Cubs vice president of player development, talking about prospects, talking about the future of some uh, players you eventually, one day, will see at Wrigley Field. Sounds like uh, Crow Armstrong is a guy that uh, you'll see sooner rather than later, Bruce. That was some pretty high praise. Well, you know, it's interesting with, with his connection and the trade, how much uh, input he might have had in, uh, the per- in, in picking him up in that deal because of uh, his practical knowledge of him. And, uh, again, this, this is a guy that the Cubs are very excited about. And, and you know, projecting good outfielders for this team with him, uh, you know, along with Davis, that, that's pretty exciting because uh, the Cubs, you know, uh, you know they, they – they have they have developed a few of their own players out there, but not a lot of them. So uh, you know, other than Hap, uh, they really haven't developed quote unquote real outfielders. If you want to put Schwarber in that case, because he was moved there, I understand. But uh, I think this is a good time for the Cubs, with their rating system going up uh, so high now as far as their farm system. And what do you do and ask him about guys on the 40-man roster, Bruce? Come on now. Come on. That's off limits. That's off limits. <laughs> no, I don't need you to bury me. I got a whole slew of people out there. I don't need no, my I, partner. My, I don't need my partner digging uh, under six feet for me. I'm kidding you because Braylon Marquez is, uh, again, the most fascinating pitching prospect in their system. Right. Is, is that overstating it? And I think there's so much curiosity surrounding where he is, what he can offer, and how healthy he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, he missed a whole year last year with an arm issue, and, and it's a big arm, and it's a powerful arm. We got to see a little of it in 2020 in a preview. Uh, so the, the, it's, it's a big question. I, I just, you know, I spaced on the 40-man part that he can't talk about. None of to, to To let our audience know, none of the baseball officials in baseball can talk about any of the players in the 40-man roster while there's a lockout. So there, there's no information. It's just a, it's, it's just a taboo situation. Uh, the teams can't even talk to each other about trades or about any type of ideas. Uh, that's just the way it is uh, in a lockout and, uh, and work stoppage situation. But it's understandable because you think prospects, you think player development, you think of guys like Miguel Amaya, you think of guys like Marquez, you think of guys like that in the Cubs system that you know come up when you're having a conversation about developing players, and that's the shame. These guys are going to have to wait until this is all is solved before they report to spring training, and, and that's just unfortunate for everyone. Yeah, hopefully that's uh, the end of next week. I'm, I'm not making any projections or predictions, but I always felt – that um, conversations would start in the uh, first to the end of the first week of February and something would get done by the last week. Uh, I'm hopeful that's still going to be the case. Well, let's find out what our next guest thinks. He covers it all for the New York Post. Ken Davidoff has been covering baseball for a very long time, and he joins us next inside the clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Yeah, we're back. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Haw, Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock talking baseball. And 
We just got done talking to Jared Banner, the vice president of player development with the Cubs. Before we get to uh, lockout talk again, Bruce, I was trying to think of who he was comparing Crow Armstrong to. He was in the Red Sox organization, Banner was, for a very long time, and he referenced a 2011 prospect that came up. Was he? Was it Jackie Bradley Jr.? Was it Mookie Betts? Those are either, either I, I think it was Mookie. Mookie wow. Betts, yeah. That's yeah. quite a comparison. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, uh, uh, the follow-up to that is, you know, is, is fascinating because, uh, you know, a, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Jared was in the Red Sox organization for many years, uh, garnered a couple of championship rings while he was there. And uh, certainly uh, when, he, when you make a comparison to one of the top players in the game, to a, a, a rookie player who missed the entire year last year and uh, will uh, come to Cubs camp as a first-year Cub player, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And Betts was the fifth-round choice in 2011 of the Boston Red Sox, 122nd overall. And, oh, by the way, was a second baseman, <laughs> a second baseman for the Red Sox. And so if you have somebody like that being compared to one of the best outfielders and players in the game, it tells you there's a lot of hope and optimism about certain prospects in the Cubs system. So the purge day last year when they got rid of Bryant and, and Rizzo and Baez in the same, you know, before the trade deadline, these are the kinds of things and these are the kind of reports you, you want to hear if you're a Cub fan. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, when you, uh, when you look at him, uh, you know, uh, this is a, a player that has a lot of ability. I don't know if he's going to be a home run hitter, but he has a lot of the other abilities of uh, a, a guy that can really go get a ball, get on base, uh, score runs, make things happen. So let's stick with this, Bruce. We're trying to reach uh, Ken David off. We may or may not be able to make contact. But as we wait, you know, we were going to uh, discuss this. And, and we talked, you referenced it with Jared. This is a big week for prospects who are not on the minor league or the major league 40-man roster. This is the week where they can have mini camps, which are, are big in terms of some of these guys we're talking about, what is its situation for the Sox and the Cubs out in Arizona as we, uh, as we look ahead to this week? Well, David, uh, as we mentioned, when we talked to uh, Jared, uh, both teams are having mini camps. So what is a mini camp? They're, they're inviting some of their top minor league players who, as you point out, cannot be on the 40 man roster. And there's 14 minor leaguers on every 40-man uh, roster, 26 are on the major league uh, team. Uh, but everybody else in the organization can be picked through and brought in. And uh, some of these top pro pro prospects, as we mentioned, like uh, uh, Peter Crow uh, Armstrong and uh, certainly Jordan Hicks and uh, people like uh, Killian, who we saw in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, these guys will be there for a week-long uh, you know, practice session kind of a showcase for, for everybody as well, to get them going towards spring training. Spring training doesn't start for the minor leagues till the first week, week of March. But this they, they, they have their, a lot of players in to, their, um, to, to the Arizona uh, complex for both the White Sox and Cubs all year long. So this is just a showcase for uh, these players to uh, kind of – get to know the coaches and managers of the major league teams as well as the minor league teams uh, that they might be aware with. 
for the organization themselves, all the front office people, all the coaches, major and minor league, to look at some of these top players and have a focal point of uh, being able to converse about them as they watch them go through uh, drills. Realistically, as they welcome guys with bright futures, they hope that you know everyone reaches his potential. But realistically, of the players who report to these mini camps this week, are there any that you could see, you know, ascending to the point where they they're on the verge of contributing this year, or they make it, you know they're, they're in appearance on a major league roster this year as they uh, you know work the shuttle between AAA and and uh, and Chicago? Is there, is there any possibility? Anybody come to mind when I ask you that? Well, a lot of a lot of the White Sox people, uh, uh, young players, are already in the major leagues. David, I mean, they're they're right there. So. Uh, if you look at the ratings for the White Sox minor league system, they're very low right now. They're in the they're in the bottom quarter, and the reason for that is they've done such a great job of promoting young players who they traded for, promoting young players from their system, using players uh, uh, for trades uh, to bring in uh, other young players. So uh, that's that's what you know. If you remember back to 2011 and Theo Epstein's first press conference, he said. We're going to develop players in our organization to help us win championships. We're also going to develop players in our organization to trade, to bring in players that we need to finish off the deal and be able to win and continually be competitive. And that's what the, uh, the White Sox are doing right now as well. So I don't see a lot of uh, help from the minor leagues. There's some pitching that we saw last year that might be available to help out a little bit. But uh the White Sox have a, a pretty strong staff, and they have they have a very strong, um, very strong, you know, 26-man roster. So I, I wouldn't worry as much about them. The Cubs, there's a lot more openings. I think there's there's ability for a guy like Marquez, if he's healthy this year, to progress and get get there going. Although keep in mind he missed a whole year uh, due to an arm injury, and therefore. Yeah. They're going to watch his innings, you know, as they progress through 2022. 312-644-6767. You want to talk about the lockout? You want to talk about the prospects? Let us know what you want to talk about. We are here for you. Bruce, you know, with this lockout sort of looming and when they do resolve it, as you alluded to earlier in the show, there's going to be, in theory, I think there's got to be expanded rosters for a short period of time because to take into account what uh, the the condensed spring training could mean you want, don't want to push anybody you know quicker than they need to be if it is three three people or it's expanded by three players that that's going to be a, you know guys who may not be on the track to the major leagues maybe getting there faster does anyone come to mind when you say that uh, say the last part again as far as well uh, does anybody if, if, if somebody is going to expand a roster by three people that means three prospects who may be ha- originally having to wait in april or wait for their their call up they may get it sooner rather than later because of the expanded roster yeah again uh, you know we're still back to uh you know are they major league ready and uh, i i think if if the cubs have an area they really have to look at it's adding more bullpen help uh, as soon as uh, this lockout is over with. They need fortification in that bullpen area. Uh, you know, again, Jordan Hicks is going to be a starting pitcher. Uh, he's probably a year away from being with the big team after being drafted number one by the Cubs last year. I really like 
the idea, though, of uh, your question and, and looking at, uh, at uh, Killian, the guy that we talked about from the Arizona Fall League. He's a 25-year-old guy that got into the organization in the last year or so. And, and his progress, throwing 95-96 with a hellacious breaking ball, that's somebody I think they can project and get him quickly to the major leagues. So that's somebody you might be looking at. And Bruce, I don't want to correct myself, or, or but I do think it's worth pointing out, as, as a couple textures have pointed out, we said, you know, Mookie Betts is a comparison because of the 2011 draft status with the Red Sox. Also, in 2011, the, the Red Sox first round choice, uh, the 40th overall selection was Jackie Bradley Jr., who came yeah. from the University of South Carolina, as you pointed out. Yeah, I think. And, and Betts was a second baseman. Yeah. Betts was a second baseman initially. So that that's probably correct. But not a bad draft by the uh, by the Boston Red Sox back then. I'll take Mookie Betts over Jackie Bradley Jr. as long as we're going to compare. Yeah, you know, you know. but uh, he's had a he's had a hell of a career. I mean, uh, Jackie Bradley's had a hell of a career, and uh, and he's he, he's going back to Boston this year after being with Milwaukee for one year. I think the Cubs would take either version if if they have a prospect that's going to be that productive for that long over a period of time. I think they would take that out of that trade, one, don't you? <laughs> Well, when was the last time you think the, the Cubs produced a center fielder? And I, I'm asking you that without thinking first, okay, which I'm always accused of by uh, many of the people out there. But uh, in reality, you know, when I, I – my first thought is Jerome Walton in 1989 uh, without, yeah. w- without thinking it through. Uh, you know, rookie of the year, 31-game hitting streak, uh, was going to be the next superstar in the Cubs system and then came in – 30 pounds heavier the next year, and his career just had a big thumb down the rest of the way. Uh, bounced around to a couple teams, never really uh, hit any anything close to or played anything close to the uh, championship caliber he played in, in 1989. He imposed but, I mean, his own that's... lockout from the uh, weight room and the, and the, the gym. Yeah, whatever happened to Dwight Smith? He was the guy who, alongside Jerome Walton, formed that outfield. Well, Dwight obviously he has a son that's playing Major League Baseball, and he's a, he's a, a, a um, I think he's uh, involved with uh, one of the teams. I'm, I'd have to look it up, but Dwight was a I think he I think it was the first time that the Cubs ever had um, uh, rookies finish one two in the Rookie of the Year voting. So that was uh, that was pretty sensational. Uh, Dwight was either two or three in that voting, but uh, that that was a sensational year where the Cubs came out of nowhere to. Uh, to win a uh, win a division, go to the uh, uh, NLCS and uh, uh, play the Giants. It was uh, it was a fascinating year here in Chicago with that. Oh, group. Bruce, when you talk about center fielder prospects the Cubs have or haven't developed, my mind goes to Corey Patterson. It goes so uh, many other places. I'm sure people we could fill an entire show with. Yeah, Corey Corey had a, a good half year. He had one outstanding half year, um, and. Uh, that it's it's sad that we're going back all the way to to Corey and then to '89 for the last center fielders that uh, the Cubs have been able to produce. All right. Well, we will uh, produce some more conversation when we come back. We apologize for not being able to reach Ken Davidoff, but uh, we also want to hear from Blackjack McDowell. We promised you that, and we will talk to him next, or at least we'll hear what he had to say to Parkinson Spiegel next inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. 
Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. David Hall, Bruce Devine here for a final segment on this Saturday morning. We've been talking lockout. We talked about Kendrick. We talked to Jared Banner. And we heard from Jack McDowell on Friday on the Parkinson Spiegel show, Bruce. We alluded to that earlier. Um, what do you remember about covering Jack McDowell, Cy Young Award winner, uh, a guy who was – uh, definitely took the ball every every fifth day and gave you everything that he had. The one thing that stands out, and it shouldn't, but it does for me, is the one negative thing, and that is the, the Toronto Blue Jays had Jack's pitches. And uh, that impacted uh, two poor starts in the uh, ALCS in 1993 that limited the Sox' ability to go to the World Series. They had a great team in '93. They had an even better team in 1994. Uh, I'm convinced that uh, you know they were ahead in uh, in that race with Kansas City and Cleveland when the season was stopped and uh, we lost the World Series. I was convinced the White Sox were a 101 team that year and we're going to win. But Jack, uh, you know, after that series, uh, you know, the Toronto Toronto players admitted that they had his pitches and he was a dominant pitcher back then, a Cy Young Award winner. Uh, in 1993, and uh, they just hammered him, and, and that that really changed the course of uh, of baseball history and White Sox history that year because of of his uh, not uh, his ability not to pitch up to his normal level of excellence. But Jack was a uh, terrific competitor, an intense competitor, uh, and a guy that um, I think is really underrated, David. You know like to get your thoughts on on where he stands as one of the the great pitchers in White Sox history. Well, I think yeah, that because of what happened after those great seasons, you wonder about the greatness interrupted in 94 and what that might have meant to his legacy. I also wonder if you feel like it and this is meant to be just as descriptive more than it is anything, but eccentric comes to mind when you think of Jack McDowell, somebody not afraid to speak his mind, somebody who is definitely uh, a personality with a lot of a lot to offer and a lot to say, and I think that remains the case. And we heard yesterday um, from him in, ter- in terms of dealing with the lockout back in '94. But Bruce, what stood out to me, and I think you you mentioned it earlier, he the, 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 what he thinks and his view as a former successful major league player in the '90s, his view on today's analytics really stood out. Not anything I see up there. I think that's just ridiculous. And it's, it's increasing injuries, and it's not maximizing on your best guys. And, you know, you guys, and just listening to what you just said, yeah, you're being dominated by the fake technology again. You think that all these guys throw 10 miles an hour faster than we did back in the day. Just watch the videos. Watch videos of guys back in our day who were the hard-throwing guys compared to now. They are measuring fastballs and balls right out of the hand now, okay? The jugs gun and the ray gun back in the day measured it as it crossed home plate. Uh-huh. So there ain't no difference. These guys, I, you know, I, I've been there. I've been with these guys that they say are throwing 100 and sitting there watching them going, they ain't no different than anything I saw, you know, hitting against guys in spring training. This is not, you know, this is not but they're just trying to pump it up like they're doing such a great job. And you look at this fake technology, like everything else in the world. 
Bruce, what do you think about that idea? There's nothing that, fake that, about inside the clubhouse, David. There's nothing no, fake okay, about yeah. our show. We're the real uh, we're, 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 we're in your face. We're there for you all the time. We nothing fake, but you know, that's Jack. Look, it's, it's, I have a simpler explanation to what Jack said to, uh, to them in, in our afternoon show. And that is the difference in the eras is that in, when Jack pitched the best arms were starting pitchers, they kept them as starting pitchers. Over the last 30 years since Jack pitched, now some of the better arms that come through the college ranks or from Latin America are converted to relievers quicker. And therefore, you have more power arms coming out of the bullpen dominating games. You're seeing it all over the place. So I agree with him that guys don't throw harder than they used to. What you're seeing is a different version of baseball pitchers, many more now as relievers who are dominant, who were, um, who were either starters or they failed as starters uh, back then and were never converted. That is a big difference now in the, the way that we watch the game, the way that the game's played. It's a bullpen dominant game that we're watching here over the last five years. That's a great nuanced answer, Bruce, and a lot of validity to it. But I'm also just fascinated by what he what he mentioned about measuring velocity different, where the ball, whether it's measured the miles per hour coming across the plate or when it's released from a pitcher's yeah. hand. And I know there have been stories about this. Maybe he's meant, referring to Baseball America, I think, did something a couple years back. And people have talked about this around the game. I know you have heard it. You're aware of it. But is there something to be said that Jack McDowell has a point that this velocity, it's, it's higher because of the, the way that they are measuring miles per hour now? Look, I, I, don't need, I don't need the gun, and either do you. You've seen thousands of games. All of our uh, listeners who are great fans of the game have seen thousands of games. You don't need a gun to tell you if a guy is thrown hard. All you need is a reaction of the player, okay? The, the guy in the box. That's the guy that tells you if the velocity is enormous, okay? That's the guy who will tell you if there's an extreme break on a breaking ball. You don't, need the, you don't need that gun to tell you. And I think Jack is wrong. I think he's just looking at it from a different perspective because of the fact that in reality, more young pitchers are converted into relievers now than ever before. They're not lasting any longer in the game. The average career in baseball, David, is four years. They're not lasting longer. We're just seeing the conversion of good young arms uh, in high school and college to relief pitchers much more quicker uh, than we did back 30 years ago. I did, though, like what he said, not to sound like an old school curmudgeon, but I did like what he had to say, though, about how today's game doesn't require teams or ask the five best pitchers on each respective team to maximize their potential. In that, in his day, as he described it, the five best pitchers were your starting rotation, and they would right. go through – the lineup three times and you used to hear about boy this guy gets tougher as the game gets older and he goes through the lineup again you never hear that anymore because pitchers aren't allowed to go that deep anymore I did think that was another point which was at least not out there not really that crazy to consider teams don't have five good starters anymore because they don't want them okay 
they're not there. They, they, they're not essential to them. You, you, everybody looks at the starting pitchers, and we know they're still important, but, you know, the, the great arms, you know, they're, they're dumbing them down. You know, we went from 200 innings to 175. We'll soon be at 160 as the number that you expect from starting pitchers. It's, it's a different game. People have to wake up. They're, you know, it's a bullpen game. It's power arms that are coming in. That is what, you know, they're coming in in the fourth and fifth inning now. So, look, I, I understand what Jack said. I, I believe that what he's really saying is, why aren't you taking the time to develop starting pitchers like you did 30 years ago? And the reason is, it's a copycat league. That's what everybody's doing to compete and to try to win now. And maybe it will go back to what Jack is talking about at some point. But right now, it's all about the power arms coming out of the bullpen and, uh, and the defense's limiting scoring for the other team. I also like the way that he raised the question about the robot, robot umps and how teams might be able to hack into the computer systems and call a 3-2 fastball that's right down the middle, ball four, if they're able to maneuver the technology in a way that you wouldn't put past the Houston Astros. Yeah, I think a foreign power intercepted a Ken David Doss phone and didn't allow him to be on our show today as well. So. So. <laughs> I'm blaming Putin. I'm, I, I'm blaming him. David, I'm so. expecting great news next week. I'm hoping uh, that uh, these people sit down, get everything done. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, also at our website. I write Cubs and Sox, 670thescore.com. We have people to thank, David. Yes, we do. Thank you to our guests, starting with Bob Kendrick, then Jared Banner. Thank you to Cesar Perez, who did the great job behind the scenes, and everybody else out there who listened. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday morning. You've been listening to Inside the Clubhouse. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum next. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.